We're in Daniel chapter 7 this morning. Daniel chapter 7. Big transition happens here. This is the uh, last chapter of the book of Daniel written in Aramaic. You know, the Bible was written in three languages, the Older Testament, mainly Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic in it. Uh, Aramaic section, uh, sessions, uh, sections, I'm sorry, have, have much to do with the Gentile world. After this chapter, we go back to Hebrew and the focus is Israel and their future. You know, uh, it's one of those dreams again. Daniel's had a lot of weird dreams recorded here, but normally, or at least up to this point, they have been the dreams of a king. When we come to chapter 7, Daniel has a dream of his own. And when we talk about dreams, you know, they're, they're, we, we can mean different things by that. I mean, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he, uh, he had a dream. Do you remember what his dream was? He had four children, and his dream was that his four children would live in a nation where people would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. You know, so a a dream could be something that you want to accomplish one day, some place that you want to visit, a goal, so to speak. Now, a dream, of course, can be, you know, those things that uh, happen to us at night. You know, I woke up this morning about 3 a.m. It's a weird thing for me to do that, but it happens. And I'm thinking about the fact that we have fingertips, but do we have toe tips? You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Weird stuff, you know? And yet the realization comes upon me that we do indeed tiptoe, you know? And those things don't make any sense, you know? I mean, it's like you ever have that dream like where you're at home, but it's actually the Sistine Chapel, but for some reason that's home for you, you know? Weird things in dreams, you know? It happens. How many of you, let's just take an informal poll, have had that dream like way past high school, I mean like by decades, and you still have that dream, you're standing at the locker and you can't remember the combination? Raise your hand, come on, let's admit it. We're all going to have some psychology here today. (laughs) It happens weird, weird dreams, you know. And I'll tell you, Daniels are, are way on top here. But this dream is different. These dreams... Our our divine revelation, God making known to man that which would otherwise be unknown concerning his purpose, his person, or his plans. And so this dream, as weird as this is, gives us great insight into what God is doing at this time and place. And friends, when we watch God work, we can learn much about him and learn how we ought to respond to him. So as we jump in here in chapter 7, in verse 1, we see that this, <coughs> this dream or, or vision of Daniel, and we, you know when we think about these, certainly Joseph is a wonderful illustration of this, you know? Joseph is what? He's like 17 years old. Then he has these two dreams, you know, that, that are the, 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 you know, the, 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 Crops are all bowing down to his, you know, and and he's seven. And it doesn't make any sense. He surely doesn't feel like anyone's bowing to him. Doesn't happen until he's like forty years old. But God is revealing to him what is going to happen. And uh, Daniel, uh, in in this chapter here, we see the very same thing, kind of issue. So in uh, chapters uh, 
uh, chapter 7 here in verses 1 to 14, you know, we're going we're gonna to see the first section of this dream because it's going to be divided perhaps so we could look at it in three different ways. And the first uh, perspective is a vision of world history, at least a segment of world history. And when we look at this dream, we have to kind of line it up with the timing of this dream. And we notice that it takes place in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Now, you and I both know, because we've been studying this, that, that, um, that you know, uh, Belshazzar here is the king of Babylon. Now, Babylon has fallen to the Medes and the Persians. We saw that in previous chapters. So the timeline of this, it, it precedes that event that we saw in our previous chapter. You know, so <clears throat> Daniel saw a dream and visions in his head as he lay in his bed. And then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. And so we see the timing of this dream having to do with world history. Now in uh, verses 1 to 8 here, or I'm sorry, verses 2 to 8, we see the content of these dreams. And they're most unusual. Um, this sounds uh, less like a dream and more like a nightmare. Because in verse 2, you will notice Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. And so, again, it sounds like a bit of a nightmare here. But one thing we'll see is all of these, these beasts that we're going to see all tend to be animals. When God pictures sinful man, it is always in the picture of them being an animal, a stubborn mule or a horse, you know, or some other thing. And, and here we're going to see um, the first vision here is a lion with eagle's wings. So a bit of imagination here. The first was like a lion and had eagle, eagle's wings. And then as I looked, its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. Now, uh, these, dream, the, these beasts line up, remember, with that statue in chapter 2 with a head of gold and then the silver and then the bronze and, you know, and then the iron with the clay mixed in. All of these seem to line up together, you know, and if that's the case, then this lion would be Babylon, you know. And uh, as we, we recall, you know, uh, the, the king there, he was arrogant, and, and he was powerful, certainly like a lion, you know. Um, but you know what? Because of his arrogance, you remember, God chased him out of and took away his kingdom. He was eating grass like a wild beast. The dew was upon him. And, and that happened for a season, and God restored him. And so perhaps the, this lion, as many would teach, uh, is Babylon here. You know, as I looked and its wings were plucked off, you know, no flying around. It was lifted up. After this, it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of the man was given to it. Then we come here in verse 5 to the second of these beasts. And we discover a bear raised up on one side. And behold... Another beast, a second one, like a bear. And it was raised up on one side, 
and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told to rise and devour much flesh. And this, of course, would uh, line up with the Medes and the Persians. And, of course, uh, the Medes and the Persians, while they were working together, one side was stronger than the other, you know. And uh, they had already conquered three nations here, representing three ribs in their mouth, you know. So this would be the Medes and the Persians. We come to verse 6, and we find uh, yet another beast. And after this I looked... And behold, another leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. Now a leopard, you know, would immediately, uh, knowing uh, Greece here, uh, would point you right to Greece. You know, and uh, of course you recall, you know, thinking about a leopard and its swiftness, you know, and four wings making it quick. You know, uh, I'll tell you, this, this leopard would have been Alexander the Great. By 33 years of age, he had already conquered the world. You know, with swiftness, his armies moved. And so you have these raising of one kingdom, then comes the next kingdom, and then comes another. And it has been the case throughout all of history, my friends. <coughs> kingdoms come and kingdoms go. You know, some great football player, he's the one in the commercials, and he's, and then it's the next guy that comes along, and maybe it's the bat. Does anybody watch professional basketball anymore, you know? There used to be people to watch, you know, but now it seems that the character level is dropping, Jesus, even as the skill levels are climbing. It's hard to watch, you know? Yeah. And so up comes one, down goes the next, you know, you've got uh, this leopard here, you know, and, uh, and, and what, um, as I looked, behold, there was a, a leopard with four wings on the bird of his back. And ironically, uh, when Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was divided amongst four generals. Two of them rose above the others, you know, the uh, hmm, Seleucids and the Ptolemies. You know, divided up the whole thing. Egypt was a big deal. The Ptolemies were rel relatively tolerant, but the Seleucids were, were savage, just, just horrific uh, against the, the people of God, Israel. You know, and uh, as we, we look at this, we see one kingdom after another, some, some seemingly having nothing to do with the people of God and his plans, but God's plan is considered in all of them. And, uh, and as we come to the last in verse 7, we notice after this, I saw it in night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. And look at the description here. Terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. And it had great iron teeth. And it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. This, of course, my friends, would be Rome, you know? And behold, in this horn were, were eyes like the, uh, you know, I considered the horns, verse 8. You know, here's a moment where Daniel says, what's going on with those horns? I considered, verse 8, the horns, and, and behold, 
there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. And as you know, the Roman Empire was vast, and the Roman armies marched, and they conquered, my friends. The movements of the nations, as great as Alexander was, there was a beginning, there was an end. As great as the Roman Empire, my friends. Hmm. Well, my friends, when we come to uh, verse 9, we see another vision, another section of this vision. We have seen this vision of world history, a snapshot, as it were, and now we see a vision of heaven. We see what's going on in earth at this time. Now we get a glimpse from God's perspective, a vision of heaven. And in verse 9, we see that God is sitting on his throne just where he's always been. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and his, the hair of his head like pure wool, and his throne was fiery flames, and his wheels were burning fires. And there we have God sitting on his throne, reigning. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, my friends, but God always reign supreme. It doesn't matter, my friends, when you look out in this world and you see chaos and you wonder about the tomorrows. My friends, the tomorrows are determined. God will bring about his perfect will and he can be trusted to do just that. And so here is God sitting on his throne. And what, what is around him? Verse 10 <coughs> a stream of fire issued and came out from before him, and thousands, thousand, thousands served him, surrounded by angels, ministering spirits, surrounding his throne. But they're not the only ones there, because in 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, and the court sat in judgment. And the books were opened. So these kings and countries, they may reign, but one day they will stand before God. And judgment will be meted out. And so we see God is sitting on the throne and he is meting out judgment. Verse 11, and I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked... The beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And we'll notice here, my friends, in verse 13, that God is sitting on the throne. He is meeting out judgment, and Jesus receives his kingdom. Look at verse 13. And I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Now, that expression is used often among the prophets referring to a man, son of man, referencing a man, the son of a gun. You know, the, the characteristics are being associated. The son of means that you're, you are like that. 
And of course, Jesus used that in the book of Matthew 28 times about himself. Now, what does that mean? That God is, is that Jesus was only a man? Well, my friends, he was certainly a man, but he was certainly more than a man. He is the God man. He never ceased being God. He added humanity to himself. And why did he do that, by the way? I know you want a quick jump to so he could die on the cross. Yeah. He, he, he went to the cross as a man representing humanity. He died there. Why? Because of his, why? He died there because of our sin, my sin and your sin. You know, you know the 10 words. Let's say them, friends. Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. That is the gospel. Christ died for our sin. The word for there, the Greek word behind it is epi, on or upon. And it means on our behalf. He died because of us and for us. Christ died for our sin and he rose from the dead, my friends. You know, and there is a kingdom that yet waits. While these three things are history, one still awaits, my friend, when he receives his kingdom. And we're not going to bring out a bunch of charts here, friends, and we're certainly not going to do so to argue about them. But we're going to see in just a moment that the scripture interprets the scripture for us. Now I saw in the night visions, verse 13, behold, the clouds of heaven, and there came one like a son of man. <coughs> and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And you will notice this, my friend, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. It is unlike every kingdom that has proceeded and every kingdom that will come. These kingdoms, they come and they go. They have a life cycle and they are done. But the kingdom of God, Jesus sitting on this throne, receiving dominion and glory, will never end. Well, the third aspect of this dream, we have seen, my friends, a vision of a snapshot of world history, a vision of what's going on in heaven, and finally here, a vision of saints on earth. And I want you to notice here in verse 15, this was a bit unsettling for Daniel. As for me, Daniel... My spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. And I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. And here we have this summary statement laid out for us in verse 17 and 18. And the, this, this uh, agent explaining these things to Daniel says, these four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. Verse 18, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Look at that. And I, I just love that. 
You know, it is enough to say forever, is it not? They shall possess the kingdom forever. But I'll notice this, friends, for emphasis sake. The word of God recorded and preserved for you and I today is to know this. That the saints, the word saint does not mean someone perfect. The word saint means someone who is called out and separated set apart for a particular purpose. That is the people of God, my friends. We have been called out for a particular purpose, to love him and to live for him and to do his bidding. And friends, I know that there is a a different term being used by others out there, but this is the biblical term saint. And all of those who have been called out by God and set apart for his use, you will one day reign. You will one day reign. Now, where's the anxiety in this? Yeah. Hmm. Well, the four beasts are kings, and the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and forever and ever. But my friends, in verse 19... We find that we discover the subject of Daniel's unease. Then I desired to know the truth about that fourth beast, which which was different than all the rest and exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet and about the, 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 the ten horns that were on its head. And the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth, that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. Verse 21, we discover the four facts laid out here about this beast. This this beast um, might be five. Yeah, let's go with five. We'll give you one for free. How about that? All right. And as I look, this horn... This horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Hmm. Apparently, before there is the kingdom will come suffering. Suffering oft precedes success, my friends. It shows up in a lot of ways. But you will notice this horn is making war with the saints and prevailing over them. And then comes the key word, until. God has a season for everything, a time for everything. My friends, you and I are waiting on the edge for summer to hit. That 80-degree weather when we can sit outside and go for walks and be comfortable and not have to check the weather every day. Is it 60 or 30 today? My friends, we wait. And this will endure. And there is a season And whatever it is you're going through, my friends, there is an end to it. So you can hang on and you can know. And this is one of the reasons why God reveals these things. You know, this is not a fluke that the saints will endure. This is part of God's plan. It will happen for a season. And then, my friends, it will end. Hmm. Four, five, five, 
All right, the ancient days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. Hmm. Wow. So he wants to know about this, this, this 11th horn that arises, breaks out three other horns with it. You know, that horn that came up before which three of them fell and that horn had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companion. Well, my friends, one thing that we know about this fourth beast is he will devour the earth. Hmm. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, verse 23, which shall be different than all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. And as for the tenth horn... Out of the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise. And another king shall arise after them. And he shall be different from the former ones. And shall put down three kings. What you will notice here in verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And shall think to change the times and the laws, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times and a half. Interesting expression. A time, times would be two and a half, be three and a half. We won't get into the details here, my friends. But there are some who teach this time of tribulation, a time of Jacob's trouble. Seven years, and we're going to read about the weeks in Daniel here in a couple of chapters. But the first three and a half years of this time of Jacob's trouble will be relatively peaceful. But the second part of this seven, seven years, my friends, will be intense. But you will notice, my friends, hmm, verse 26, he will be destroyed by the Most High. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. You see, even this reign of terror has an end. And in verse 27, we see the Most High will reign forever and ever. And the kingdom and the dominion of the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High and his kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. So when we look at the impact of this dream, Daniel is alarmed. Here is the end of the matter, verse 28. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my colors changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Not unlike verse 15, you recall, as for me, Daniel, the spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. So Daniel, not knowing the meaning, has great anxiety. Daniel is alarmed by all of these things until he comes to the conclusion of what it all means. And so when we consider the impact of this dream, while well, Daniel is alarmed, you and I should be assured of this very truth, that whatever it is that you are facing this week, this year, God reigns supreme in the midst of it. God can be trusted.
God is the resource that you must depend on because he is faithful, he is true, and he is good. God raises up and God tears down. He can be trusted. He is the only one to trust because ultimately he is the only one that can do anything about your circumstances. Hmm. So you and I should be assured. Why? Because of this truth, kingdoms come and go, but God reigns supreme forever. God does not take a vacation. God does not nap in the afternoons. God knows your circumstances. Cry out to him, my friends. Seek his will. Seek his understanding. Seek his wisdom to know how to respond in whatever circumstance you find yourself. So as we do a Bible to go here, my friends, I repeat yet once again, kingdoms come and go, but God reigns supreme. And those who put their trust in him will one day reign with him. So fear not. In the end, we win. We know the end of the story. The end of the story is this. Whatever it is you endure, it will be worth it. <coughs> Whatever it may cost you here, you will be paid back a billionfold. My friends, it is worth the sacrifice. It is worth the effort. It is worth sticking out and standing out and maybe never quite fitting in. But it is worth it. We know the end of the book, my friends. We know how it ends. God wins, and when he wins, so do you and I. We know the ends. So fear not. In the end, we win. And trust God. He hasn't abandoned you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. You have all of the resources of heaven available to you to continue through whatever circumstances you find yourself today. It is always too soon to quit. Never, never, never quit. I think a prime minister of, uh, of Britain said that one time. The Germans were dropping bombs everywhere. It's always too soon to quit, my friends. Always too soon. And finally, be faithful. Be faithful. Do what it is he's called you to do. Love the people around you. Drink in the word of God, my friends, that the spirit of God can use the word of God in the life of the child of God, conforming them to the character of son of God, that you might be in the right place prepared to be used of God. You are part of God's plan to reach people with the gospel, to encourage people whose hands and shoulders are heavy and they're beat down by this world. You are light to them. You hold the hope of this world, my friends. You are indwelt with the Spirit. Be faithful. You are a part, a key part of God's plan. Open your eyes and live it out, my friends. No one sits in the sidelines in the kingdom of God. No one. God will not waste it, however horrific it may be in your life. God will not waste it for his glory and for your good. And perhaps even to change a few lives along the way. 